Amen. I want to talk to you about Isaiah chapter 8 as we're in a series called Jesus Saves, which is the name of Isaiah that God, Yahweh, saves. And the title of today is Refuge of the Remnant. Refuge of the Remnant. Uh, I think it's very easy to be fearful in the day that we live. Uh, Just looking at the last two decades, think about the things that we have seen just in the last 20 years from 9-11 to the war on terror to the wars in Iraq in 2003 in Afghanistan uh, to things like the Boston bombing, uh, countless mass shootings of concerts and schools like Sandy Hook to Columbine to Walmart uh, to the movie theaters to snipers on the highway. Think about the D.C. sniper and those even still going on today. We've seen in the last 20 years major hurricanes, Katrina in Louisiana, Harvey in Houston, one of the most uh, costly natural disasters in our country's history, Maria uh, in Puerto Rico that killed 3,000 people. To the, uh, over the last 20 years, we've seen more 100-year floods and 100-year fires and 100-year blizzards. We've seen the Supreme Court grant same-sex marriage in 2015 and a flood of immorality probably that we never thought when we were children be on entertainment and TV, daytime TV today. From a growing hatred of Christianity and politics in Hollywood, people blatantly slandering God, cursing God on daytime TV. That was never heard of even 20 years ago. To business owners being sued for being a Christian baker or a Christian school or a Christian adoption agency. All those are in the courts still today. To what we saw in 2008 was a great recession of our economy. And then we saw an impeachment even recently of a president of a country so divided in politics Uh, And now, across the globe, we see a national pandemic that's also brought an economic climate and even more fear and hatred and division to racial uh, division and rioting and lawlessness in our street. How many people believe God's trying to wake us up? Amen. Uh, And that's just in the last 20 years and just in this country. If you go around the world and you would look at the last 20 years and see the things you see all around the world, giant tsunamis and floods and hurricanes and natural disasters and rising persecution in places like India and Russia and China, uh, you would just be amazed. And then we look at the world and say, man, it's a really hard time to live. And it's always been that way, increasingly so, especially for the believers. So the question is, how do you live in these days and have faith and not fear? How do you have faith and not fear? How do you be steadfast in the Lord? And I think about what we read this morning, Psalms 46. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in a time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change and though the mountains can slip into the heart of the sea. Waters may roar and foam and mountains quake at swelling pride because there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the people of God, the holy dwelling places they are of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, of us. She, we, will not be removed because God will help her when morning dawns. The nations can make an uproar. The kingdoms can totter. God raises his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. Turn to your neighbor and say, He is with us. God is with us. And the question for you and for me today is, who is us? God is with us. But who is us? Are you us? Are you in that us? Because that's going to matter. While kingdoms are tottering and fear and things are melting and all kinds of trouble is brewing in the world, for those who are the us, God is with them. And so that's our whole study. Our whole talk today is, 
who is the us? Because God is the refuge of the remnant. Somebody say amen. All right, look with me in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 9. I want to talk to you about the righteous remnant. Uh, let me give you the background to what's going on. There, Israel was divided. There was ten tribes that became the northern kingdom, now called Israel, and two tribes that became the southern kingdom, now called Judah. Judah stayed with the line of David, and mostly they were faithful. But they also had their own problems. They began to trust in their own military might, their power, and their prosperity. Israel, the northern kingdoms, really became mostly wicked. And Uzziah, one of the faithful kings, ended up turning to pride, fell and died of leprosy. And his son Ahaz came to power. And there was great unrest. There was great worry and anxiety. What's going to happen? And there became a rumor, a conspiracy that was told that the northern kingdom of Israel... Remember, they had a civil war, and it wasn't good. The northern kingdom of Israel was going to partner with this other nation called Aram, and they were going to come against Judah and wipe them away. So Ahaz is worried. He's heard the rumor. He's fearful of another bloodshed. We're already in a bloody civil war. Our nations are divided. It's unrest, and there's fear and anxiety and dread all across the country. We're almost really in a, even even though we've been prosperous for so long, there's a sense that something's on the horizon not good. And so what does he do? He consults the big empire of the day called Assyria. And Assyria was very evil, wicked. They put people up on posts and, and stab people through. I mean, it's just really wicked, evil, violent country. And he comes kind of like three cats fighting. And one cat goes to the dog and says, hey, you're the big dog. Would you come help me fight the two cats? But guess what happens? Dogs don't ever like cats. And so he says, Isaiah comes to him and says, you have trusted in man before trusting in God. And here's what's going to happen. Yes, this big kingdom of Assyria is going to bail you out. And they're going to come and take away Israel and Aram for you. But let me tell you something. God's going to give a sign. And there's going to be a sign. His name is Emmanuel. His name means God with us. He's going to be born of a virgin. Before he's very young, there's going to be a famine in the land. And that famine is going to signal that God is going to wipe away them. But there's also another sign I'm going to give you. Even before, Isaiah says, even before my son is old enough to say mommy and daddy. After this great economic crisis, when the enemy has come against you, there is going to be a flood of this enemy. And he's not just going to come in, Assyria like a flood, is not just going to come in through Israel and Aram. He's going to even come into Judah, your kingdom, even up to the neck of Jerusalem. It's going to be as if this flood you thought was going to be a good thing on your behalf and you've rejoiced in your, your brothers in northern Israel going away. God's going to send that flood even into your nation, even up to your necks, as if the people of God are even going to suffer, almost being wiped away if it wasn't that God is with us. Okay, let's look at here in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 9. Because as Isaiah gives this prophecy, the faithful people of God say, Oh no, how are we going to survive what we see coming? We've heard from the word of God. Judgment is coming even to the house of God, even into Judah, because this nation is trusted in man and man's power and his prosperity and his military might more than the things of God. We've turned away from God, even us, those who knew better, those who had the word of God. And God says, I'm sending a flood. I'm sending an economic problem on your country. And then I'm sending the enemy to wipe you away, even to the point that you're worried that even it'll take away the house of God. And so Isaiah says, 
to those who are wondering, what are we going to do in the dark days we know is coming? And he turns and he speaks these words to God's remnant, the holy people, the people who have been faithful always. And here's what he says. Look in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 9. We're going to read down to the end. It says, Be broken, O peoples, and be shattered. Give ear to even the remote places of the earth. Gird yourself, yet be shattered. Gird yourself, yet be shattered. Devise a plan, but it will be thwarted. State a proposal, but it will not stand. For God is with us. Somebody say amen. He says, even though there's plans against us, don't worry. God is with us. For thus the Lord spoke to me with mighty power and instructed me not to walk in the way of these people, saying, you're not to say it's a conspiracy in regard to all the things this people call a conspiracy. You're not to fear what they fear or be in dread of it. It's the Lord of hosts whom you should guard as holy, and he shall be your fear, and he shall be your dread, and he shall become a sanctuary. Everybody say sanctuary. What a good word. But to those of the house of Israel, he can be a stone to strike and a rock to stumble over, a snare and a trap for the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Many will stumble over them and they'll fall, be broken. They'll even be snared and caught. Then he tells his believers, he says, bind up the testimony, seal the law among your disciples, and I will wait for the Lord who's hiding his face from the house of Jacob. I will even look eagerly for him. He said, behold, and I and the children, that's his sons, who as the Lord has given me are for signs and wonders. Everybody say signs and wonders. Signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. They'll say to you, consult the mediums and the spiritualists and those who whisper and mutter. Should not a people consult their God? Should they not consult the dead on behalf of the living? To the law and to the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, it's because they have no dawn, no light, no illumination. They'll pass through the land hard-pressed and famished. It'll turn out that when they are hungry, they'll be enraged and curse the king and their God as they face upward. They'll look to the earth and behold distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish. They'll be driven away into darkness. That's a lot of words. What did he just say? I'm going to give you four things that Isaiah says is coming upon his nation because they turned against God. But then four things he's really saying to the remnant the righteous believers who are going to re, uh, be God's, in God's refuge in this last day. So number one is this. He said there's a great deluge, a flood, a disaster is coming. He says the flood is coming quickly. It's coming suddenly because this nation has not trusted in the Lord. He says uh, even earlier in Isaiah 8 and 7, he says that they have trusted in uh, the, the things of this world. They have not rested and trusted in the gentle streams of, of Shiloh, which is this little bubbling spring outside of Jerusalem that fed the city of God. He's basically saying, because you have not drank from the rivers of God, because you have not allowed the sweet, good waters, gentle flowing waters of God to fill your life, God is going to send a flood of district. See that play on words there? Because you haven't drank from these still small waters, the stream of life, God is going to send a flood of judgment on this nation. And he says that there is this great disaster is coming. He says it's going to come up even to your necks through Emmanuel's land. I think about how sometimes man becomes a sin to the things that he trusts in. Like Ahaz begins to trust this evil empire, Assyria, to help him out. 
We can turn to gossip or drinking or alcohol for a time. And it's like, oh, that thing will help me feel better. But then what happens? That thing starts to own you. It's just a little bit of pornography. It's just a little bit of gossip. It's just a little white light. It's just a little this, a little that. And then eventually that thing you've relied in to make you feel better, get through life and cope with things. Eventually it consumes you. It comes like a flood upon you, even up to your neck as if you're about to die. And that's what he says is going to happen. To a nation who's trusted in its military might, that will be wiped away. To a nation who's trusted in their economic power, that will be wiped away. Even into the house of God, it'll seem like there's hopelessness and things are going to be wiped away. But he reminds him, he says, but don't forget, God is with us. You think about the Bible and Revelation, I think about where John the... The apostle looks into the last days and he says, I see this great economic world empire. This great last empire is called Babylon. He says, I see her. She's seated on many waters and she's trusted in her own prosperity. She's been drunk by the things of the saints. Uh, just she's, she trusts in her own military might or economy. He says, in one hour, in one day, in one moment, it will come upon her that God will cause her enemies to crash her economy, to wipe her away. They will watch her burn in one day. And the whole world will be in shock that how could this happen to such a great nation? How could this happen to a people who had the most powerful military on the face of the earth? How could this happen to the people who are most prosperous in the world? He says, but in one moment and in one day and one hour, it's all going to be gone. And the cities and the nations of the world and the merchants of the world are going to look at this nation and say, how could this happen? She made us so wealthy and so rich. And God will cause her enemies to turn on her, and then her enemies will become that great antichrist power, that great antichrist nation that will usher in the last days of God's judgment. I don't know where you think we are in that prophecy, uh, but I know where I feel that I am, where we are. And I look at a day like today, and I say, man, God is a flood coming. And I know and I look at Isaiah and I say, God, it's even it feels like that this sin, this flood has even made it into the church, that there's just something there, God, that it's just about to wipe us all away. You sense that some things look at the last 20 years, God, of what's increasing in our country and the falling away we see and even in the churches. But then we remind ourselves what Isaiah says, but God is with us. And it's like even in that flood, God always has an ark for those who will hear and listen and be saved. He's got an open door. He says, come on in all who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. And that ark is the church. That is the people who have the sanctuary. God. He says in that day, the people of God, the holy remnant will find God is a sanctuary, a place of refuge in a time of trouble. So who is us? Number one, they are the remnant who find God as a sanctuary. Somebody say amen. amen. Is God your sanctuary? That's when the flood comes. Number two, he says this is else. He says there's the vision. Isaiah is already speaking of this divided nation. Man, they are fearing one another. They're hating one another. There's north versus south. Come on. There's north versus south in this nation. There's conspiracy. He says, everywhere you look, there's conspiracy. Everybody's talking about what could happen. Whose fault is it? Who's to blame? And what's going on in this country? Does this sound familiar to anybody? Okay. All right. He says, this is what's happening. And everyone is dreading what's coming. And here's what Isaiah says to the remnant. He says, but do not walk in the way of these people 
who say everything is a conspiracy and who are fearful of all these things. They're divided among themselves. They have no wisdom. He says, don't walk in that way. Walk in God's way. He says, what's God's way? He says, they fear all these things. He says, do not fear. And if you're going to fear anything, fear the Lord. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is wisdom. What does fear of the Lord mean? It doesn't mean that I'm scared of God. It means I have a holy reverence and awe. For God is mighty and he's worthy to be feared and praised. We have a reverence for his holiness and for his word that he is a God who is most loving, but he's also just. He's a God who saves, but he also judges. Amen? That was weak, man. Amen? He's a God who is holy. So I fear the Lord is to forsake sin and turn from evil and turn to God. It means to hate sin and love holiness. He says, to the remnant, he will be those who stand upon him like a rock. And to those who refuse him, that rock will be the rock of judgment. So you'll either be saved by him or you'll be crushed by him, Jesus said. You'll either be saved by him in these days of division and you'll be crushed by him if not. I think about all the confusion that happens before God ever judged a nation. He always brought in confusion, especially when Israel's in the wilderness. Anytime an enemy came, you look at it. Every time an enemy came against Israel, God caused confusion in their ranks of the enemy. Do you see confusion in the world today in our country? Do you see there's division, there's conspiracy, and even the philosophies of everybody you see on the news having their philosophies or what they believe in, they're often contradicting themselves. One day they're going this way and another day they're going that way. And even if you put it all together, it doesn't even make sense on what you believe and why. We think that is. That's God's judgment. They're wondering why all this is happening to our nation, why all this is happening to our country, why all this is happening to our economy, why we're where we are. And Isaiah says, don't think about that. You don't have to wonder that. Here's the answer. It's God. It's not anybody's fault of who did this or who did that. Everybody's wondering who to blame. You want to know the real reason that we see the things we see today? It's because God is allowing it to happen. And so for the remnant, we don't fear because we know who's in charge of it all. It's God. It's God. He says, don't fear, but fear the Lord. One of the things that often happens in a nation of fear is you often will find persecution of the church. I think that's something you and I should expect in these last days. As you see fear and division increasing, as you see conspiracy increasing, Jesus said that there will be a time when many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. The remnant, though, will not walk in the ways of the world. They'll walk in the way of the truth and the life. And they'll fear the Lord. Next thing he saw, he said, I see deprivation. Deprivation. He says there's going to be a famine coming before this great exile of this nation. He says the real famine, though, is not just this economic famine that's caused by the siege of your enemies. He said the real famine has already been happening in your country. It's a famine of the word of God. He says to Israel and Judah, he says, the Lord's been hiding his face from you. Wondering if you're ever going to call out to him. And Amos predicted this in chapter 8 of Amos. He says, there's a day coming, declares the Lord, when I'll send a famine on the land. A famine not of bread and thirst for water, but of hearing the word of the Lord. People will stagger from sea to sea, north and east. They'll go from to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. And Isaiah says that that's the same that's happened in our nation. He says there's people who forsaken searching for God. They've grown deaf to the things. They're famished for the word of God, but they turn to superstition and magic and witchcraft and false teaching. Don't you see that in America today? 
a famine in the house of the Lord, a famine for the word of God. And there's prosperity gospels and hyper grace gospels. There's Ouija boards and tarot cards and 1-800 numbers and uh, find this pill and that pill. And we go to opioid addiction. We go to all these things to find peace and get a word and to feel good about ourselves and to someone to give me hope and tell me about prosperity. Tell me about how good I am. Tell me about how great I am. Tell me that everything is going to be okay. But they reject the word of God. There's a famine and he says, but this is what happens for the remnant. He says, the remnant, though, are those who are waiting upon the Lord. He says, I will wait upon the Lord. I will look eagerly for him instead of turning to these other things. And he tells his disciples, he says, but seal up the word of God in your heart. Let me tell you something. When there is a famine in the land for the word of God, you need to have it in your heart. I told the other service, I said that there are people around the world that don't have one of these in their homes. They'll come to church and, and only the pastor will have one and they will eat this thing up. They will stand in a standing room only for hours just to hear from this book, from this word of God. There's coming a day, too, where you may not be able to have this book. Look at other countries. They don't have this. They're not allowed to have it in public and they go in their dark corners and they're reading it and just taking it in. While in America, we're consumed by Netflix and Hulu and primetime TV and, and satellite and we consume all these things all the time. But are we famished for this? Are we famished for this? I was convicted even this week, this morning of what might be coming for the next generation in America, even my daughters are, are young. I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old. And just the thought came to my mind that there, there are pastors around the world today, and they are preparing their children to be a martyr. They don't, they're not getting their kids into all the things that we find so important in America. And they know that if, as they send their child to school in Muslim countries or in, in these Indian, in Indian countries or these Chinese-orient uh, countries, China and Russia, that they know as they lead their son or daughter in the way of the Lord, they will have a target on their back and they may be martyred one day for Jesus. So if I live there, how do you think I would raise my child to memorize and know the word? Let's just be honest. How do we teach our children to know the word of God, to bind it up in their hearts for the days we know are growing darker and darker? And if I'm serious about this, what would I make most important in my family? Because around the world, it's already happening. And they take seriously the word of God. He says, there's a famine. He says, the next thing after a famine and deprivation, he says, I see darkness. He says, because the darkness of men's heart, he says, I see a darkness over my nation, a heaviness, a hopelessness. There's no light of God in them. There's bad things happening and they only look at the they look at their economic status and they look at what's coming and they just look up and they curse God. They don't even turn to him. They'd rather be broken by God than broken for God. They, they don't bow their knees and turn to him and see the reason for all the heaviness around them. And it would eventually be a dark day. Israel would go into exile by Assyria. Northern uh, southern kingdom of Judah would go to exile by the nation of Babylon and they would be lost forever. And Jesus predicted a day of not only literal darkness. He says there's a day coming when the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And stars will fall from the sky and the powers of heaven will be shaken. There will be a physical day of darkness coming on the world. But he said there will also be a spiritual day of darkness. Because the darkness of man's hearts says the sons of this world's kingdoms will be cast into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you think we live in dark days? 
you just feel that. I was talking to my wife even this week about, man, all of the shows that seemed to be so happy. When I was growing up, you know, in the 80s and the 90s, the shows were just Leave it to Beaver, I Love Lucy, you know, Andy Griffin, and then they even, you know, even Happy Days. And, you know, I mean, we just were happier. Doesn't just, just be honest, doesn't it seem like happier times a couple of years ago, right? And you look at the shows now, and I turn on Netflix, and I see TVMA, and I see murder and violence and rape and homosexuality and, and all this stuff. And the most popular daytime TV shows like Game of Thrones and Breaking Bad and all these things that are so prevalent, filled with uh, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey was one of the most popular shows ever to come out on movie theaters in this generation. And, and Game of Thrones is the most popular TV show in the world today. And I look at that and I say, that's filled with nudity and violence and sex and homosexuality. And it's the most popular shows in our nation. And guess what? It's also the most popular shows in the church. He says there will be a flood of filth even that comes up to the neck of the church. We'll see darkness even into the house of God. They will not see and notice the sin of where they are. They won't see it as holy versus sin. They won't understand. They won't conceptualize how God is calling them to a holy place in his throne room, in his sanctuary, into his presence. And it won't make sense to them what's happening around them. He says, but it's because of judgment. He says, but in the last days... There will be some people who see. He says in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, he says, There will be a people who are walking in darkness, but they'll see a great light. He says, Those who live in that dark land, a light will shine on them, for you'll break the yoke of their burden and the staff of their shoulders. A child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus came and he says, I'm that child, the one who is bringing the light to the world, and those who believe in me will not remain in darkness. You see, the remnant of the last days are going to call sin, sin, and holiness, holiness. They're going to see God's truth. They're going to come out from among them and be separate. They're going to devote themselves to the people of God. And Isaiah says, this is what happened to me in my church. He says, God's mighty hand was upon me, even in my sons. He says, my sons and I became as signs and wonders to the people of my day. Jesus said that there'll be in the last days signs and wonders will follow those who believe. And his name, they're going to cast out demons. They're going to speak with new tongues. They're going to lay their hands on the sick and they're going to recover. He says they're going to drink deadly things. Even if they're persecuted, he says it's not even going to harm them. They're going to go into wilderness places with snakes and scorpions and it's not going to harm them. They're going to be alone with me and I'm going to confirm what they say with my mighty power. And see, that's what's coming for us. Are you us are you in the remnant? Are you? God is with us. Church, it matters. There's going to be a division even in the house of God. Those who are serious about being in his mighty presence, those who are serious about holiness and sin, those who are longing and waiting upon the Lord and say, God, I know that everything is shaking around me and my family is fearful and people are, are the economists don't know what to do. The environmentalists don't know what to do. The military doesn't know what to do. Things are just getting crazy. But he says, but we will not be shaken for God is our refuge, our strength, our present help in a time of trouble. And though the world be shaken, we have a God who is with us. Are you us? I want to be us. I want to be in the us. I want to be a part of that last day's church that ushers in the time of Jesus, that looks and says, I'm not worried about all this. I know where my help comes from. My redemption is drawing near. Jesus said, look up and look up. He's coming. 
And so when I look at the, the world today, yes, it's so easy. I'm a, I'm a prepper by nature. I'm a bug out guy. I've got my stuff ready. I love that kind of, just as a hobby. I love the camp. I love the, all those things. But I can get so fearful of the day and forget, God, this is you. You're doing this. And if you're doing it, you're in control of it. And God, you're going to be in control of your church. And we are going to be in your sanctuary. And how many people know Jesus is for us? Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me today? Worship team, would you come? Are you in the remnant of God? Who is the remnant? Let me summarize it up. It says, they'll be the ones that drink from the sweet and steady waters of God. They'll run to God as a sanctuary dwelling place. He'll be their solid rock. They'll walk in the way of truth and they'll fear the Lord more than they fear men. They will wait for the Lord in a day of famine. They'll look eagerly for him in a day of darkness. They'll seal up the word of God in their hearts. They'll have the mighty hand of God upon them by the power of the Holy Spirit. They will follow them will be signs and wonders for the people and God will be their refuge. Let's be that remnant. That means we come out from among them separate ourselves in these last days. And God says, I will be as a father to them. They will be sons and daughters to me. How many people say, Lord, I just want to be that. God, I don't want to be tossed to and fro. God, I want to be fearful. God, I want to be with you. I want to drink from the rivers of the stream of life. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Where are you at, sir or ma'am, young person? There's a dark day coming. Let me tell you something. It's going to get worse before it gets better. We know this. World economists know this. God is doing something unique in these days. And we can wake up and come into his sanctuary and be his people. Or we can fall away and go off with the rest of the world into darkness and despair, into famine, into the flood. You say, God, there's hope in you. Jesus loves us. He is for us. He sent, God sent His Son to die for us. He loves you. If we just stop trusting in ourselves and our own understanding, we just come to Him and, and let Him make our path straight. You just give up trying and give up striving and just come to God. Stop trying to do life on your own. Forgive and be forgiven. Let go and let God have His way in you. You are here today and you say, Pastor Heath, if I was to die today, I would not be prepared to meet Jesus face to face. I would not be ready to stand on my own merit or my own judgment. I know that without God, I, I don't have it. And I need Jesus to just renew me, to save me. And I, I just need to give my life to Him. If you're here today, you just see that's me. Pastor Heath, would you pray for me? Would you just lift your hand up, put it right back down? Amen. Amen. Anybody else say, that's me. I just need to get my life right with Jesus today. I just want to be where he wants me to be. Hallelujah, Lord God. Hallelujah, Lord God. Father God, you know these hands, you know these hearts. The Bible says if we would confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. He's just a good God. And it's not a special prayer that a pastor prays. It's what you say in your heart. Mean it from the depths of your heart. And it's simply this, that Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. I turn from my way of living and thinking and doing, and I turn to your way. You are the truth and you are the life. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he lived a sinless life, that he came as God's Son and walked among us, that he died on the cross for my sin. And there was nothing I could do to save myself. He saved me by grace. And when he ascended, he sent us the Holy Spirit that I might live victoriously over sin and in the power of his might. And I'm waiting for his soon coming. 
when he's coming to redeem his bride and we'll be with him ever, forever, and always. If you believe that with all your heart and you confess it to the world, you are saved. And as you begin to confess your life and your dependency on him, he's going to fill you and fill you and fill you with the Holy Spirit. Something new will happen in your life. It'll be a born again, alive in Christ experience. It won't just be head knowledge. It won't just be emotional experiences. It'll be that you sense that God is alive inside of you. And you should pray and pray and pray until that moment comes. You should pray and pray and pray. Get on your knees. If you want to find a place here in the front to pray until you sense God come upon you, that's salvation. That's that moment where He makes you new. And you're here today and you say, Pastor Heath, I know that my family and myself need to be more prepared to be the church of these last days. I want to be the ones that are used mightily of God. I want to be the ones that are not shaken by what's coming. I want to be the ones that see God move and and are securely placed in His hands and know His Word from falsehood and just have the power of God on them. That's you and you say, I just need to, Lord, to do something in me and my family that you would just, God, impart to us some ability, some, some special work in our family. And I want that to just begin even today, that, God, we're going to begin to seek you even more as a family. That's you just, moms, dad, just raise your hands and say, that's me. I'm going to take that challenge on. We're going to just begin to persevere and seek the Lord in these days, believing God's going to do something in our children. God's going to do something in our marriage. He's going to do something in our finances. He's going to shield us from what's coming. But we're going to prepare ourselves. Lord, you see these hands, you know these hearts. God, fill us with power. Lord, it's not a doom and gloom day. Lord, for the church, it's a day of rejoicing. It's a day where the streams make glad the city of God in the midst of a tossing world that we are with you and you are with us. We rest in you, Lord Jesus. There's peace in you, joy in you. If you are fearful today, you have fear and anxiety and dread, that means you need to get more into the Holy Spirit. You need to get more faith in God. I'm going to ask the team just to sing this song just for a few moments. And this, let this song be an altar. If you want to find a place to pray and just seek God, you can do that or right where you're sitting.